American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome in to a brand new show here on American Hammers Radio. It's been a while since you've heard the sweet sounds of my voice, but even the subtle, beautiful sounds of the one that's joining me, Liam Bright. How are you this evening, Liam? Oh, absolutely fantastic. It feels like it has been forever, not just from us recording an episode, but you and I being in the same room together. Well, you know, COVID is a bitch, and uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we've had to abide by those laws. And, you know, it's nice to be in the same room together to actually record uh, an episode. And I I don't think we've done anything since September. Yeah, yeah. Not for this. And then I, I can't even remember the last time you would have been in the same room with me. Like, this has been... I mean, obviously, we still meet up for the, the games, the matches, but us actually recording a live episode, it has been... I can't even, I honestly, honestly, I can't even tell you the last time we've been able to do this. And we've even got a brand new setup because I'm now in the new house and we have new crap, new microphones, new stands. We even have a booze table between us. So pretty nice. Well, you say that I haven't been in the same room with you that you know of. Let's make sure that we keep that. You know, I maybe I'm giving things away. Maybe I'm not. That's for you to figure out. This is true. Well, I I know you did. You did like to pop in and watch me sleep. So, but you're like you're like my own personal guardian angel. Hey, look, I just want to make sure that your hair looks as good now as it does while you're sleeping. I know, and I just got a trim too. So, you know, it's pretty fantastic. It's nice not to hide under a hat. Wink, wink. (laughs) Oh, touche, touche. What I have left. Right. Um, so obviously we're hinting at a brand new show here on American Hammers Radio. Uh, we've been gone long enough. We've done a little bit of rebranding. Um, we've decided to go under a new name. And so this is episode one of Under This New Name. And uh, Liam, we discussed this at length. Uh, I have to give you full credit. You're the one. So I'm going to let you be the one to bestow the brand new name upon this amazing new show here on American Hammers Radio. Liam, drum roll, please. Okay, there's there's no drummer. I guess I'll have to insert that after the fact. Yeah. Uh, But we will now be known as the Bearded Bastards. So. And if you don't know why, Liam has a beard and I have a beard, hence the Bearded Bastards. True. And one of the things that we had kind of tossed around is having a a name that was a little bit more um, specific to us, right? Like American Hammers Radio is awesome, but it is more of the branch of American Hammers Network, just like they have American Hammers TV. So uh, we thought it might be a little bit better to have something that was a little bit more specific to to Tex and myself. And as he so eloquently put, we are both uh, bearded and we are bastards in claret and blue. So it's uh, it's very fitting. And it's also my son's favorite chant. So (laughs) great. Uh, We've ruined him. Yeah, we absolutely have. But he was like, dad, dad, can I say that? And I was like, say what? He was like, Bastards. I was like, yeah, dude, you could I go as long as it's in the chant, you could say it. So he was very excited. But not only are we bearded, but we also thought we'd bring another fun element to the show. And I'll give you full credit on this one. This was Texas idea. So uh Liam and I, we love to argue about um God's favorite spirit, which would definitely be whiskey, (laughs) because we all know that he only knew about his son only knew about wine because that's all they could make back in that time. This is true. Had his son known about whiskey, he'd be sitting right here with us. Um, we are going to, for this point on, we're going to inform you what we are sipping on while we talk all things West Ham United and, uh, all things Fresno irons, because we are a local supporter group here in town. Um, obviously want you guys to get, uh, involved no matter where you are. We'd love to see you at some point. So, uh, we're going to be pouring a glass of whiskey right now. And, um, I'm going to go ahead and go first. Uh, the whiskey of choice is something called Texas gold. My name is Tex. 
Um, I'm from Texas. It makes sense. So just, ooh, what a beautiful sound. <laughs> um, I've got the Glen Cairn here because I am a learned doctor. When I drink, I'm going to do a little uh, couple second pour here of this beautiful golden spirit. Um, and that's what I'm going to be sipping on this evening out of the Glen Karen. What about you, Sir Liam? Uh, so I am not quite as learned or as fancy as, as tech. So you'll hear the twist top of my Jameson cask mates. Uh, so this was a couple years old. Now I got this as a birthday gift from my brother-in-law and, uh, my wife doesn't really ever drink and I very rarely do, uh, up until this show. So now it looks like I'll be drinking weekly. So, uh, I mean, at least until we go uh, daily episodes and then I will be drunk on the regular, which would be great. And uh, as I said before, I'm not as learned. So I have my daughter's sippy cup uh, that I will be pouring the Jameson. No, it is a very nice tumbler uh, with Mickey Mouse printed on the outside because uh, unlike our club, uh, there are some other Mickey Mouse London clubs, but not ours. So I will also do a couple seconds for Let's be oh, 100% yeah. honest. Anytime you drink alcohol out of anything other than a uh, alcohol glass, yep. you look pretty ridiculous. You're like, hey, can you hit my Yahtzee shaker? Thanks a lot, <laughs> Dunka. Ah, <laughs> uh, Slancha. All right, cheers. Oh, it goes oh. down smooth. Mm, no oh. matter what you do, it goes down smooth. So now this is the part of the show where we're going to try each other's whiskey. I've poured you a little bit of this fine Texas and I'm going to go for it. Go ahead and let you try that. So and right you let now, me sniff this before and it's very, yeah. very good. While, uh, while he's say, tasting this, this is a distillery out of Texas called uh, Texas gold or whiskey hollow. Um, it can only be bought in Texas. So if you're interested in it, you need to hit me up and I'll see what I can do for you. What were your thoughts? What were your thoughts? Let me know. So it's a bit harsher than the uh, than the Jameson castmates, but the but the burn is in a very very good way. So it's um, it the notes that you hit on your tongue immediately are very warm, and then you immediately kind of get that like what do I want to say like that Midwest burn behind it. So something that you get a lot in like Tennessee whiskeys or like more domestic based whiskeys, but whiskeys. Um, <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm actually like, I'm very, very impressed with Liam. With I've the, been talking shit to you for how long about whiskey. And now you're finally understanding that I know what I'm talking about here. Yes, this is very true. But as you have had the cask meats before, and now that you've had the, uh, uh, the anal burnage, that is your whiskey. Now you can try something that's a little bit more smooth, a little bit more cleansing to the palate. I have a question. Does it taste differently coming out of a Mickey mouse sippy cup or is it going to taste different out of this? I'm just curious. I mean, I think it would have to, I mean, the sippy cup gives it that, that uh, juvenile exuberance. <laughs> well, my overall opinion of your castmates is it is very smooth. Yes. Um, a little thin on the back end for me. I like a little more uh in my whiskey. But overall, um, I think that, you know, we are going to have a hell of a show because we are <laughs> sipping on God's nectar. So enough about whiskey, Liam. Oh, yes. Let's get into the real thing. Um, as I continue to sip my Texas gold, you and your sippy cup of oh, Mickey. It. Is it Minnie or Mickey? It's oh, those, that's Mickey. See, there's no bow in let's his hand. Let's be honest. So. It's, definitely, it's definitely Minnie. He but, just doesn't want to admit it. Actually, let's be honest. Tex can't tell the difference between males and females. It's been that long that he'll chase any tail. Uh, well, <laughs> well played. Uh, there's not much I can say on that as I've just recently dumped a lot of personal trauma you're bringing up right now. I, I, I Thank you to. very much. Well, if we're going to drink, we might as well drown ourselves in our sorrows. So. Touche. 
So obviously, uh, West Ham United had a massive result on the weekend mm. as we played Chelsea out here on the left coast. Uh, West Ham United played at 4.30 a.m., and the Fresno Irons showed up. As always, we never miss a match. Um, that game was incredible, Liam. Um, when you look at what happened in that game, we went down early on a set piece that, you know, uh, defensive responsibilities obviously got mixed up. Tiago Silva was able to put one down on the ground. It bounced in. It got by our boy, uh, Lucas Fabianski. He did get his fingers to it. He did. Um, then West Ham able to come back. Jared Bowen making a pest of himself constantly, um, attacking a horrid back pass. Why Chelsea did that, we'll never know. <laughs> Mendy ends up committing the penalty. I was shocked he did not get sent off. I really was. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Manuel Lanzini, which we were debating, who's the person that's going to step up and take that pin? Lanzini comes up, slots it into the side netting to the goalkeeper's right, his left. Beautiful goal. Equalizes the game one-to-one. Five minutes later, Liam, we are not tracking back well enough. <laughs> they put in a – let's all credit to Chelsea on this. Yeah. Beautiful cross in. Mason Mount one-times it to the near post and beats Fabianski. Fabianski's had a brilliant season. Yeah. But that one he has to take a little responsibility for. Chelsea reclaimed the lead 2-1. And I think the feeling in the pub, and I think you would agree with this, was, well, here we go, you know. Yeah. Well, now we're going to fight back. We end up going at halftime down 2-1. They come out in the second half, and early we were struggling to get possession of the ball. Then all of a sudden things started to change. West Ham started to get on the front foot. They get the ball in. Antonio gets it, gets a pass in to Jared Bowen. Jared Bowen, one, touches it around a defender, and absolutely pile drives it and bows the net in the back. He even nutmegged a guy on the way through for the goal. I think it's Silva. I actually think it goes through Silva's legs, who had a uh, clearance off the line on uh, Sofal's shot earlier on. And it was a absolutely, that was a world-class goal. Yeah. I, it doesn't matter what you said. He gets it on his left foot. Jared Bowen once again is on fire. We all know he's shagging Danny Dyer. <laughs> well done to Jared Bowen. He equalizes it 2-2. And at that moment... I think we started to feel pretty promised because that's now down twice against Chelsea and two comebacks to equalize. And at this point, it's anybody's match. And wouldn't you know it, the guy who a lot of people shit on that cost us the, po the all three points in our prior game against Brighton sends in what we don't know if it was a cross or a shot. Could be, could be either. Could really be could either. Be. And it finds its way into the back of the net. <laughs> West Ham take a 3-2 lead with about four minutes to play. The next thing you know, West Ham see out the game. 3-2, huge victory against a London rival. The team leading the Premier League, which we knocked them off their pedestal because of that game. We solidify ourselves a little bit in the fourth spot, especially after the horrendous result against Brighton and even the more poor result against Wolves. Uh, you know, in three games, we've accumulated four points when we all thought we'd have seven. Maybe we'd get yeah. a draw against Chelsea with two other victories. So that game's going to hurt us in the long run. But what a performance from West Ham United and David Moyes' Claret and Blue Army. Liam, what were your thoughts on that match? Well, I mean, from the get-go, right, we kind of knew that Chelsea was going to be a difficult match for us. They they usually are. You know, it's, it's like you said, London rival. Uh, they've been flying high this entire season. They've pretty much kept that top spot up until they meet David Moyes, right? So what has been, you know, really astounding for me is you know, the loss to Wolves, right? That that hurts. There's there's no way around it. The loss to Wolves is, was always going to be a difficult loss. Going away to Man City, playing in an absolute blizzard was, you know, uh, 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 
it was a hill we were not able to to climb basically at that point. And, but I'll be honest, we were in the game. The fact that we only lost two one, and let's be fair, like it was going to be a one nil game, except for like that the the one little uh, wide open shot that we gave Man City. But then Lanzini being able to equalize in what was basically a consolation goal at the end. We needed a response against Brighton, but I th- I know we've said this in previous episodes. Two years ago, we lose that Brighton match. We don't even get a draw out of it. So the fact that we were at least able to walk away with a point was still a step in the right direction. We knew we needed three points from Chelsea, especially after dropping two from Brighton. We knew we needed it. And this was the perfect response. Even going down early, going down right before the half and still being able to equalize and then get a a fluke of a winner. This is huge for us. This is huge for the momentum for the club going into what is going to be an absolutely devastatingly busy schedule for December. And we have a very thin squad because let's keep in mind, Ogbonna has already been out. We know he's out for the remainder of the season. Kurt Zuma goes out injured in this match as well. Uh, Cresswell, uh, was this the one with the goal line? No, it was the previous match. It was Brighton with the goal line clearance uh, that then he injures his back. So we're already down with that. And then uh, Ben Johnson goes out injured in this match as well. So even with a thin squad, having to make substitutions based on injuries, not tactical substitutions, but injury-based substitutions, and Moyes is still able to pull out the win, full credit to the squad. Full credit credit to Moyes for being able to make this happen. And let's be honest, man. Anytime you can do a number over Chelsea, that feels good. It was, I mean, we were in the, in the pub. Like I, I'm going to be honest. I haven't been in the best mental state of late. And, you know, we've talked about that as part of the reason that we've been on the break that we've been on. But the reality of the situation is that game re-energized me. It was so much fun to watch West Ham United play in that game. And it was almost the story of the way David Moyes' career has been. Started off going down to something kind of stupid and fought back. Team looks good. Then he gets knocked down again, comes back, and then wouldn't you know it, a little stroke of luck at the end, a little stroke of luck to get back in at West Ham United. And he goes, David Moyes, like, I've got my opportunity now. And the more I watch this team, and I've, I've been very adamant this, we have phone conversations all the time. <laughs> there is something very special with this team. And I think they're going to do something that every West Ham United fan has always wanted to see. I, I firmly believe in my heart they will finish in the top four, maybe even higher. Because West Ham have proven they can beat anybody on any day, when that normally is not the case. And it's been done with understanding to buy all in on a manager, the shrewd business that he's done, and the ability to get this team to believe. Do you hear all the stories that are coming out about the atmosphere at the London Stadium now? Yeah. This was the place that had no atmosphere. Now every player's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's going apeshit every time the team just jogs onto the field. <laughs> there is a that love and that passion that we had at the bowl in is starting to return. Will it ever be the same? No, and it shouldn't be the same. No. We should never touch what the bowl in was. The bowl in was what the bowl in was. But we can define what this new stadium is. And we can do it with players like Jared Bowen. Because what Jared Bowen did in that game and what he's done all year, mm. I am going to tell you right now, I said this, I will defend this man. Not a lot of people talk crap on him. I'm not saying that. Right. But there are people that talk about who our best player is. It's it's without question Jared Bowen right now. Yep. What the, the emphasis of what Jared Bowen does, watch teams tactically set up to West Ham United. They want the ball off Jared Bowen's foot because of the pressure he can put on. Listen to what Jurgen Klopp said about him. This kid and what he has done for this club 
I mean, think about when he came in, we were fighting relegation, Liam. We were fighting <laughs> yeah. relegation. Since he's joined the club, I don't think – I think we are have the fifth most points in the Premier League since Jared Bowen's joined. Yep. Like, that's an incredible run, and he's a big part of it. And he is a mainstay. He's one of the first names on the team sheet. When he gets pulled off the pitch, we all question why. We don't get it sometimes. But let's talk about what Jared Bowen's done for West Ham United because this is the type of player – that we never wanted to go out and buy, but we would never give up now. And now the rumors are coming out that Jared Bowen's going to be getting a new contract either in January or at the end of the season, and we were going to pay that man. So what are your thoughts on Jared Bowen this season? Where does he rank? Is he the best player on our team right now? So I would would say it's difficult to judge, right? Because I think the knee-jerk reaction is always Declan Rice. You know, what he brings to the table, his work ethic, his leadership – Everything that, you know, he's the most well-rounded player, let's say. It's very rare that you ever see Declan have a a bad game, you know. Whereas Jared, he may have one where he goes missing. But I would say right now, the recent run of form that we've had, and let's keep in mind, there have been games where we haven't really, like especially the Europa games, we haven't had to play Declan. We've always played Jared. And typically he's had to replace Antonio up top. He's had to be that impromptu striker. So now you've got a a player that has had to play a multitude of positions. And I think Jared Bowen has done that within a plum that cannot be rivaled by anybody else on this team right now. Because everybody else typically kind of plays their position and that that's it. You know, Declan Rice isn't asked to be a winger or he's not asked to be a center back. He's a defensive midfielder. You know, he's more of a box to box nowadays because, you know, Moyes is giving him that clairvoyance to uh, to push forward a little bit more, which I think has kind of put Sochek out of his element a little bit because last season it was kind of the opposite. Sochek was the one moving forward. Rice kind of stayed back. So now they've, they've sort of alternated that. But with Jared Bowen, you know, and this was somebody that was tearing up the championship before he came to us. And a lot of the times it's sort of a, yeah, it's sort of a hit or miss, right? Like whether or not somebody can do what they've done in the championship and still have that level of success in the Premier League. Bowen has shown that you can. I mean, this kid, you know, we already knew prior to this that Liverpool was looking at him as a, as a potential buy. We already knew that this was a kid that was going to be, um, you know, pushing his way into the first team, holding that position, being an absolute pest to the biggest teams that we've played, like Manchester City had difficulty trying to contain Jared Bowen. Liverpool did. Now Chelsea. Like, those are the teams above us on the table and all of them are looking at this kid as like, hey, this is dangerous. We need to put two people on him. Otherwise, he gets in behind us. Or what we've seen with Chelsea, he takes that short pass also off of uh, Soufal and is able to bury it in the back of the net from outside the box. Like, this is a kid that absolutely ha- is firing on all cylinders. Went into the offseason, back to his parents' farm, and found new ways to train. To get his endurance levels, his physicality up to the levels that he needed to be to to effectively compete in the Premier League. How many other players can you say went above and beyond the way that Jared Bowen did? Not many. So um, full credit to me, yeah. I know the last episode we talked about players that were in the running for uh, Hammer of the Year. For me, Jared Bowen leads that pack right now. I I, I agree. And look, look, Declan Rice has been, that's, uh, look, that is the captain. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jared Bowen right now is the best player on our team. Well, the form that he's in is the best player. Declan Rice has been phenomenal, and I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's number two. That's not bad. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. 
The reality is the way Jared Bowen is playing right now and what he can do. And remember, he can play multitude of positions for us. Uh, obviously, we like him in an attacking role, but he can play in behind the striker. He can play as the striker. He can play on the right. I don't know if we'd necessarily ever seen him on the left, but he probably could do that too. It's just Jared Bowen is this guy right now. When I watch him play and he gets on the ball, the hair on the back of your neck stands up because you start to get excited because you go, oh, what is he going to do? Because Jared Bowen is constantly making things happen. And, you know, credit to what he's done. Another player, you know, to change gears right now, obviously we could talk about Jared Jared Bowen all night. (laughs) But the reality is there's another player we have to bring up. And I was beyond excited because you know how I feel about the player. His name was in the starting 11 against Chelsea. And it was his first start in a while for West Ham United. Well-earned. Yeah, against the Premier League side. And it was well-earned. He's been coming off the bench. He had a beautiful goal against Manchester City. Maybe it might end up going down his goal of the year for West Ham United because of where he placed that and how he created his own space and made the shot. But Manuel Lanzini made a start. (laughs) Oh, man. And I texted the group chat. I went, I love this decision. Lanzini gets out there and he starts in place of it's either Saeed Benarama or Pablo Fornals. It doesn't matter who he started for, but he starts out on the left. And we start to go, okay. But as the game progressed, we noticed Lanzini is more playing a central role, kind of playing off the striker. It looked like Moyes gave him a free role, which is what he did really well when he had Marko Anatovic in front of him. Mm-hmm. And so what I noticed in this game, he gave us the possession. He gave us a little swagger. Yeah. Oh, and that penalty that he hit, and then running over to Reese James and getting in his face. How do you not love this jewel? How do you not love this man? I, I want to ask you, Liam, and this is really what I'm getting at. First off, what are your thoughts on his performance in that game? And has he earned the right to start the next game? I don't want to call him a full-time starter yet, but has he earned the right to get the start against our next game at Turf Moor against Burnley. Without a doubt. I mean, at, at, at this point, and this is no insult to Ben Rama, because I thought that Ben Rama was absolutely on fire at the start of the season. I mean, the chemistry that him and Mikel had, I mean, we were banging in goals left and right. You know, like think about that Newcastle game. Think about the Aston Villa game. Like Ben Rama and Antonio were on another level. But Ben Rama has cooled. I think after the international break, man, I, I really feel like he kind of started to settle out a little bit not quite to the levels he was at last season. I still think he's a step up from where he was, but dude, Lanzini has just been, I mean, it's the jewel of old, right? Like this is the lands. This is like what the 2015, 2016 Lanzini. And that's what we needed. That's what we've needed for years. And I love the fact that he never gave up, right? Like this is a Lanzini that, Hey, I'm not getting playing time. Let me put in a transfer request. I'm going to go back to like river plate or something. Right. But no, he stuck it out. He's even said, I love this club. I want to play for this club and I'm going to earn my spot back on. I remember early, early season interviews with him that you could see the fire. And he was like, whatever they need me to do, I'm here to do. So if it's start games, if it's coming off the bench, I'm going to do what needs to be done. That's all we've ever asked for any player. Like everybody wants to start, right? But there's 23, 25 people in this squad. Not everybody's going to start. Not everybody's going to even make game day uh, 18. But Lanzini will do it. And that's what I love. I love that Lanzini will be the guy that will come in, do what needs to be done. And let's think about it, man. Two goals in three games. Like, that's great goal production. That's, that's going back to, like, Lingard goal production. And that's what we need. If we're not going to get Lingard in January, and who knows, maybe we will, maybe we won't. 
I'm almost not even worried about it because we got Lanzini. <laughs> Ain't nobody <laughs> like, like Lanzini. Lanzini. And it, it, at the end of the day, man, um, I'm actually really, really excited. Not just because I know he's one of your all-time favorite players, but I know it means a lot to him. And for him to put in that type of performance, you know, getting the penalty, mean mugging Reese was was next level. But he wasn't for me like man of the match. I didn't need him to be because he was solid the entire time he was on the pitch. And that's what I want. I want the entire team to be a quiet man of the match. In all honesty, I think you hit the nail on the head. But the, the thing that, that wows me about Lanzini all the time is he's got that bit of magic. There's something about the magic that he has. And, you know, when I look at the players that West Ham have hold, had, no player had more magic in him than Dimitri Payet. We all know that. But Lanzini, we have them both at the same time, and they were pretty deadly together. Oof. And so when I watch Manuel Lanzini, as excited as I get for Bowen, I still get that excitement for when Lanzini gets on the ball because Lanzini can find a pass. He's not afraid to run at people. Um, he, he loves to get the ball deep, and he loves to start running forward. So I really look at this team right now, and it's a good problem to have in the attacking front because Lanzini – I agree. I think he has earned another start. Will he get it? We don't know. Moyes has been very fickle on those situations. And I and I don't think anybody, including myself, would fault him if he goes back to Benarama and Fornals back in the starting lineup. I have no issue with that. Fornals has made me a fan of him. As much <laughs> shit as I've talked on Pablo Fornals, I have to keep my mouth shut now because Pablo Fornals at this moment is one of the hardest working players in the Premier League, not just for West Ham United. So anytime he's on the pitch, I know that he's going to make the hustle play. Yeah. Um, Saeed Benarama has showed some some real brilliance this year, uh, especially coming into last year. But there's something about, and it's a little bit, it's a little bit of bias. I'm not going to lie, but there's something about Manuel Lanzini and what he can bring to the table that I just will forever remember. I remember the goal that he scored against Chelsea in his first season with us from outside the box. It was a gorgeous curler to the far post. And uh, that ended up, you know, I think we ended up drawing in that game. We may have won it, but uh, you know, that, that was Slavin Bilic's defense. So it was probably a good shot that we drew. Right. But yeah. the reality is that that kid, he's just been a servant for the club and he doesn't want to go anywhere. I remember all the rumors that he was going to get transferred out and he came out and said, I don't want to leave the club which I think was very telling for what he believes that he's capable of here in London with West Ham United. Yeah. And so he's just been, it was so nice to see him start and have an impact in the game and be a big moment of that was huge for me. Um, and I, I love the fact that he did that. Yes. I'm a little biased. Um, but also in that game, we do have to talk about some other stuff. That's not good news because we could go on and on for what West Ham United have done. But the reality is, the injury bug is starting to creep up on West Ham right now. Um, thank God we played as well as we did in the Europa League. Thank God that we don't have to play any most of our starters tomorrow when we play uh, Dynamo. But the reality of the situation is right now, we're dropping center backs like flies. <laughs> you know, we already know Augie's out for the year. And Ogbana is, to me, the reason that we struggled a little bit there was because Ogbana was out. Yeah. Um, Kurt Zuma has been beautiful, but, um, you know, Kurt Zuma is now looking like he could be out for an extended period of time. So now that leaves us down to Dawson who may have an injury or may not. They're being a little coy about it and Diop and look, they've been brilliant together in the Europa league, but the Europa league is not the premier league. 
Right. And I'm not trying to talk shit on it. I'm very happy to be in that league. I'm very happy that West Ham are performing at the level they are in that league. And we have guaranteed knockout football in that. And it's beautiful. It, how awesome is it, Liam, that tomorrow when we play Dynamo, we don't have to play a single first-teamer no. if we don't want to. No, we could literally play the kids that the players bring out <laughs> on the and, yeah. and the result doesn't matter. Yeah, we could lose by 100 goals and it's not going to affect us. Yeah. And that is a credit to David Moyes and the way he's managed his team to get those results to be in this position right now. Because that's massive for us to be able to play our youngsters in December when we all know the demand of the fixture list at this time. Yeah. So for West Ham United right now, this injury situation, how much does it concern you, Liam? So it doesn't, it doesn't. So the, obviously like having Ben Johnson out and it looks like that one's going to be about three to eight weeks. Uh, Kurt Zuma, his is a little bit more serious because they say with Ben Johnson, it's low grade um, hamstring. So that one could be as quick as three weeks. So before the end of the month, he might be back. Uh, with Zuma, we're probably looking at about 12 weeks. So it's going to be a, a pretty decent amount of stretch for him. Dawson was training on his own. So I'm not sure how much that plays. Maybe he just took a knock. And they're just playing careful with him, kind of allowing him to sort of rehabilitate. My guess would be for tomorrow's game, because uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, we'll probably see academy players. We'll probably see like Alise and Baptiste will probably be the, the starting center backs. I'm not super worried about it, man, to be honest with you, because remember, Ogbonna was out for majority of last season when uh, with the ankle strain or sprain that he had. Um, I'm okay with Dawson and Diop. I think they gave up probably more goals than we wanted. When you think about like the, the three, three draw against Arsenal. When you think about, wasn't it wolves that came back like three, two. And we were like, Oh God, here we go again. Like anytime we go up by three, we're like, uh, you know, your butthole clenches. Cause you're never sure what's going to happen. Um, but I think they did a good job. Cause let's keep in mind. We still finished in sixth. So I think there's still a lot of that potential. I would actually like to see Moyes is if, if Cresswell, bounces back and is healthy. I would love to see Moyes go back to that back three. Cause I think with Cresswell, with Diop and with Dawson, um, I think that works, right? You've got your right footed, a right footed and a left footed center back. And then that allows you to put four back on the pitch, right? Cause Lanzini has got to start. You've got to have Lanzini. So it allows you to put four as more of a wing back, which isn't his ideal position, but he has the work rate to be able to come back and defend. And I'll be honest, I'd probably rather have four on the pitch than Masawaku. no, no dig against Masawaku, but he's a defensive liability, let's be honest. So if you've got him, you've got Sofal on the other side, you've got Deck and you've got Suchek, and then that allows you to still have Lanzini on the pitch, and then you can still have Antonio and you can have uh Bowen. To me, that's scary. If I'm if I'm any if I'm Burnley, I'm looking at that going, fuck, we're we're about to get decimated. There's no way we have an answer against that lineup. I'm comfortable with that. It does beg the question how much we're going to spend on center backs coming in January, because I would imagine we'll get at least one. I don't think we go in for two. I think we do one. So we have cover between if Dawson or Diop goes down. But I do think that Moyes, as we've seen with Sonny Perkins, he's not afraid to give chances to the academy players. So I think he does start to integrate those guys and starts to put a little bit more responsibility. After the game tomorrow, we don't play another Europa League game until March. We have plenty of time for these guys to recover. So I'm not super worried about it, even though we do have a congested December schedule. But I think 
the conversation you and I had the other day, you seemed a little bit more worried than I was. I'm, I'm far more worried than you are <laughs> when it comes to this. And this is the reality of the situation. So this is coming from a non-English fan. So any of our English listeners over there, which I'm sure there's all four of you, are going to have an issue with what I'm about to say. But here's the reality of the situation. I don't give a crap about the League Cup. I don't care <laughs> about the FA Cup. I do care a little bit about the FA Cup because of the prestige behind it. Right. And I do understand that. I don't care so much about the Europa League, although I, I value that more than the League Cup or the FA Cup personally, because there's a path into the Champions League, which is where I want West Ham to end up. Right. I would love to watch West Ham play Barcelona. Like That would just be awesome mm. for me. But the, the league is what matters to me. And not having our two best center backs in the league is what worries me more than anything. Because Dawson, as dangerous as he is on the offensive end, He's got a couple mistakes in him on the defensive end. Diop is kind of the same way. He just doesn't provide as much offense as Dawson does. So I'm nervous because I don't think that this team is deep enough. And I'm going to quote Pep Guardiola. Um, back when Manchester City, everybody's thinking they could win the quadruple, not the treble, <laughs> but the quad. You know, they could win the League Cup, the FA Cup, the Champions League, and the League. That's what everybody thought that, that they were capable of. Pep came out and said, I need 35 players to do that. Which makes sense now when you're looking at the situation West Ham's in. Because Pep was, as much as I can't stand Pep, he is a brilliant man. Because <laughs> he basically just told all the fan base, no, you guys need to understand, I need 35 players to do this. I have to have three separate teams in order to win these four competitions. And they all have to play at my level, which you know you're not going to have guys sitting on the bench that are making 150000 a week. No. You're just not going to do that. And if you do have a guy, you're Chelsea because your goalkeeper is making that and you won't play him. <laughs> so the reality of the situation that I look at is this. We absolutely have to go buy a center back in January. I don't think there's any getting around that. I do agree that maybe Moyes needs to give some younger guys, and I hope one of these younger guys makes the bench against Burnley. I really do. Um, do I want to see him on the pitch against Burnley? No, because that means somebody went down, and that's something I don't want to deal with. I think Dawson and Diop, I think a conversation needs to happen with the defensive coaching staff and them be like, look, guys, you're going to have to tighten up. And I like Diop. I think Diop is a future full-time starter for us. In the long run, I think he, I think as, as shitty as Pellegrini was for us, I think that will end up being the one good thing he did for our club Yeah, is bringing that man in. And I, I like Diop a lot. I think he's a very talented player. Um, and I think he just needs time. You know, he's got his kind of seize. He's like a wine. Center backs are always kind of like <laughs> wine, right? They take a little bit longer to get used to what they're doing and to understand how to play those offside traps, understand spacing, understand, well, you know, use that peripheral vision and their sixth sense of where those guys are. And I think Diop just needs time. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but he played in the French League. No offense to the French League, but if you're not playing for PSG or – I mean, well, PSG, you're not really getting a bunch of good work. So the way that I really kind of approach the situation, and we're going to segue into it right now, is the transfer window is going to be pretty big for West Ham United coming in. Not that we need to make a ton of buys. We need to make the right buys. Right. So it's not that I expect us to spend a crap load of money. And, you know, rumors are mixed out there. I've heard people say we're going to spend $100 million. I've seen people say we're going to spend twenty. <laughs> so the reality is I think West Ham United are going to go get what they need to get. And I think they're going to pay whatever they need to do because I think if we go into the January transfer window still in the top four, the pressure is going to be on the board to maintain that. And you're going to have to go get in some 
Well, let's be honest, they're going to have to go get in some mercenary type guys in order to get us there. Um, and so there's a few players that I know have been kind of looked at there. Uh, you know, Tarkovsky. Yeah. You know, out who we're going to see this weekend against Burnley. Um, initially rejected a move to us, and David Moyes has been a longtime admirer of him. Now it looks like his tune has changed. And yeah. now it looks like maybe he does want to join our club. And the way the situation Burnley's in right now, they may have to get rid of that asset to bring in a couple other assets to try and maintain their premiership uh, membership card. Yep. You know, and so, you know, we know that right now. So I, before I, I go in on it, what would you like to see West Ham buy? And specifically, who are those people that you think are the best people to bring in? So what positions do you think? How many total players? Right. At what positions? And then who's your ideal person to bring in at those moments? So, I mean, I like the idea of Tarkovsky. Um, I think he's a good center back. I just think he's uh, maybe underrepresented because he plays for a team like Burnley, right? Like, we we don't... you. <laughs> you don't always look at those teams and try to pilfer the players from there. Right. Um, we've talked at nauseum about like Danny Ings from Southampton, but who else are you ever, I mean, obviously now he's at Villa, but like who else would you pull from Southampton? You know, we've talked about John Joe Shelby um, and Miguel and Almarone from uh, Newcastle. Well, I guess to some degree, San Maximan, but the rest of their squad, you can kind of leave behind. I mean, I'd even leave Callum Wilson behind because that dude's a prick. You know, so like if, if we if we sign Callum Wilson, he's only going to score an own goal against us. Like that's not helpful for us in any regard. So I do like the idea of Tarkowski. I know that we've been linked with Carletta Carr on multiple transfer windows at this point. Um, obviously, Ake is another one that we've we've been tied to. But that's if Manchester City release him. I think Tarkowski's probably the best bet, because as you said, Burnley's going to need the funds to try to bring in some more talent to spend save themselves from that bottom three because right now between um Norwich Newcastle and Burnley I mean they're all sinking like a stone in water I mean it's bad I mean Newcastle finally got their first win of the season and we are 15 games in now at this point that's insane like that is just absolute terrible management at that point and even with the influx of oil money they still can't make it happen. So, and I get it. Like they've still had to wait for that transfer window to appear, but let's not forget. We had a $4 billion investor just put money into our club as well. So as much as, uh, they, they have talked about like, Hey, let's temper our expectations for the January window. This isn't going to be a spending spree. They also said that before the injury started to pile up. It's one thing when it's just Ogbonna. And we've seen that we can survive without Ogbonna as much as we don't want to, because we know that he's a, brick wall at that back line we do need some reinforcements we are we were painfully thin going into this season and Moyes has come out and he said it's easier to manage a smaller group of individuals so Moyes isn't a fan of having uh an abundance of players he likes more of a tight-knit group which I'm fine with but you also need to have bodies on the pitch so if he's if he's going to continue to give academy products the the uh opportunity to make first team appearances, that's excellent. But we still need to have top talent for a world-class squad in a world-class stadium, right? That's all that we were promised. That's what we need on the pitch. So as I said before, I think we are going to need to go in for at least one center back. I mean, in a pinch, you can have Declan Rice play that center back position. He's obviously far more volatile as a defensive midfielder. Maybe you put Suchek 
as a as a as a center back. I mean, Alex he has Kral. the height. Alex Crawl maybe as a center back. He has played that position in the past. We have options, but I would rather play people in the positions where we know they're going to be the most successful, right? We always talk about setting people up for success. So let's bring in a center back that we know that can be successful, that is that cover for Dawson, for Diop, or can challenge them for that starting position. I mean, you make a good case. I I, I would like to see West Ham United bring in three players. That's it, though. Um, I don't think we'll bring in three. I think it'll just be two. Um, I th- my third one's probably a pipe dream, but I absolutely think you have to bring in a center back, and I think Tarkovsky is the right player. Um, he's Premier League proven. Um, he's very well respected around the league. Um, multiple teams have in, made inquiries about him. So I just firmly believe that that is the guy that you want to bring in. So I think, I think that's said and done. I, I think Burnley's going to try to ask for 20 million. I think it's going to be settled around 15 to 17 million for him, which when you really look at about the quality of player you're getting, I like that. Now, Nathan Aki is a little bit more on the interesting side because I would be swayed to go with him because he's younger um, he's more athletic, um, and I kind of like what he brings to the table. But the question is, Tarkovsky's playing every week. Nathan Aki is not. So do you get a guy that's been proving it every week for Burnley? And, yes, that's not saying much because of where <laughs> Burnley's sitting. Or do you go get that? But I, I think that's the one, too, right there. I think Tarkovsky is the one, and I think Nathan Aki is the two. And I think you ask any good football mind, I think the majority of them are going to tell you Tarkovsky is the better defender. Right. Um, you know, I, you know, he's he's got captain type ability. You know, he's that kind of player for Burnley. So I, I'd be very curious to see what they do there. The second player that I think comes in, no matter what, is you can't ever have enough midfielders and attacking tile players. And I think that is absolutely going to be Jesse Lingard. I think Lingard will join the club. I think that's what the player wants. I think that's what the club wants. I think it's just now I bet money. Personal terms have already been agreed. Um, I think it's just a matter of deciding on the fee. Um, I do think other clubs will come in, but I think the player will decide I want to go to West Ham United. Um, I want to be part of what they're doing. I think he regrets not coming to us in the summer when he should have. Um, and so I think he's looking at the situation now and it was very telling when he scored the goal that beat us at the London stadium, the way that he reacted after that, he didn't want to celebrate. And I think that was his way of telling everybody like, look, I have to play for this club right now, but I'm coming. Yeah. And I think that he will be donning the claret and blue yet again for West Ham United. And I think this time it'll be on a permanent basis. And I think Jesse Lingard will be very happy to be in London and close out his career as a mighty hammer. Now, the third player that I would love to see West Ham United go get, I have a name, and I'm going to put it out there, but I know it's a pipe dream, so I want to make that very clear. Um, We have no backup for Mikel Antonio, and you and I both know that at some point, Mikel Antonio is going to pull a hamstring, and he's going to be out three weeks, and it's going to be during three huge games, and we know it's coming. Um. I think West Ham are on borrowed time right now, and they need to get a striker in there that can do some of the same things that Mikel Antonio can do. Well, to me, that player is a guy who plays for Wolves. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I would love them more than anything to go get that unit of a man and bring him into the club um, because I think he's the perfect plan B for Mikel Antonio. He's not as good as Mikel Antonio. He's a brute. He's just going to run. 
and he's going to bully people. Mikel Antonio can make a pass. He cannot. Um, and I'm admitting that. But you don't have to change what you do. Yeah. And that's why you go bring in that player. I don't want to say his name because I want to jinx it. Oh, you can man. say his name. Oh. I don't want to say his name. So my only, my only caveat with Traore is, like, like you said, he is a good player. He is a physical player. But technically, Mikel's so much better. Yeah, he's not. Like, Traore is a freight train. Plan B. I'm not buying yeah, him to start. No, Plan B. So, so here's here's the only thing because like we've seen, and I know a lot of people have thrown around like Adam Holslack or right Holslack. You're asking the wrong guy. So he's from. We are ignorant in Texas. Krasinski's uh, club, right? He owns Slavia Prague, right? So it's it's or no, right? Isn't that the club that he co-owns? Yes, Slavia Prague. Yes. Um. So. I know that we've been tied to him previously and that is a player that people have been interested in bringing in, but obviously that kid doesn't bring the same physicality that Mikel Antonio does. So this begs the question, do you bring in somebody that does exactly what Mikel does? In which case you only have to play Mikel for 65, 70 minutes, you pull him off and then you can bring a freight train in to finish out the match. Or do you bring in somebody that can completely change the dynamic of the game? Right. And I feel like you bring in, if you bring in Traore, it's because you need that freight train to finish it out, right? And he could play on the wing, so you can sub him in for either Bowen or for Ben Rama or Lanzini or whoever it is that's on the pitch. The other option is you keep Bowen on the pitch, pull Antonio, put Traore on the wing, and you shuttle Bowen to the top. Because Bowen is a vastly different number nine than Mikel Antonio. So I think that bringing Traore in may be beneficial because it does allow you to kind of rotate out those players and it makes it very difficult for the opposing team to game plan effectively because they don't know exactly what you're going to do. Adam Hlosek, I haven't watched him enough to really have a good understanding of exactly what his gameplay is. I've seen highlight reels, but let's be honest, highlight reels are always just, they're flattering, right? They're not going to show the mistakes or the time, the chances that that person misses. So there is there, there this opportunity of what can you do with this player? What are they going to bring to the table? Are they going to change the dynamic of what you have? Or is it going to disrupt? Because let's remember, Sebastian Allaire was a proven goal scorer in the Bundesliga, but struggled mightily in the Premier League, but now has gone to, to Ajax and has been the second best goal scorer in the Champions League. Who saw that happening? Nobody. All of us saw Allaire as a liability because he didn't have the work rate that we needed. So I'm I'm inclined to kind of side with you on this one because we know Triori has the work rate and that's ultimately what we need. We need those mercenary players. We need those battlers. Those guys are going to go out, lay it all on the pitch and battle to the last minute, to the final whistle. So I do kind of feel as much as Adam Holsek may be uh, a different dynamic Maybe we need to have one system because we know that system works. And this is what I would say to bring you over to my side even more. Um, <laughs> we already have a change. I've of had pace. enough whiskey that you could probably just whistle <laughs> at me and I'd probably be like, all right, whatever you, whatever you say, man, I'm totally in. Hey man, I just, everybody needs to know the Minnie Mouse cup is almost empty. Oh yeah. I have, <laughs> I, I have drained this multiple times now. Um, the reality of the situation when I look at it is this, we already have a change of pace guy and that's Jared Bowen. That's the guy you throw up that changes the dynamic that does everything you said. My argument is always going to be this. When you have that three week stretch every year, it comes, we all know where Antonio is going to have to let his hamstrings heal. 
you got to have a guy that can do what Antonio could do. Now, can Trier do everything Antonio? No, Antonio is the better player. We're all we're not arguing that. Antonio can make a pass. He can move out to the wing. Antonio can defend. Antonio can bull. He can hold up the ball. I mean, Antonio literally is everything you want in a West Ham striker. He really is. But what Traore brings to the table is just that brute force that is what Antonio is known for. Are we going to be as good with Traore up top? No, we're not. I'm not saying that. But we're not going to be that far off from what we are with him. And that's why I would love to see a player like that come into the club. But I know that Wolves are going to ask a crap load for him. We're not going to get him. And what's funny is Wolves don't even start him every week. No. He's not a full-time starter. Which is frustrating, right? Because that's the same thing with Manchester United, right? Like, we're going to ask for $30 for Jesse Lingard. Like, bro, you're not even playing him. Like, how are you going to ask for these extravagant amount of funds for a player that doesn't even factor into your, sometimes your starting lineup? But it's kind of the same thing with like San Maximon, right? Typically it doesn't start for Newcastle, but they would still ask for an arm and a leg because they don't want to give up what they know is a talented player. We've seen it with Crystal Palace with Wilfred Zaha for years. And don't get me wrong, I would never want Zaha at our club. He's fucking locker room poison. But he's a talented player and he's a goal scorer. But Palace know that, which is why they'll never let him go. I'm actually surprised that Aston Villa let Grealish go. But that was more Grealish having that hundred million pound clause in his contract. But some of these clubs, like even with us with Declan Rice, we know what we have, and we're not going to let him go for cheap. Yeah, you have to respect that. Um, you know, every club's got to make money, you know, because they've got to reinvest that into the team and hopefully get there. But I, you know, the, the transfer window, no matter what, is going to be very interesting for West Ham United, not because of who we bring in; it's about who they go after. That's going to tell us a lot of things that we need to know. Um, But keep in mind, we get tied to 101 players every transfer window. And I mean, I thought, didn't West Ham United come in on you for six million? Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure they did. I mean, you turned it down because they wouldn't give you a washing machine in your apartment. This this is true. And it was very flattering because they only offered you one point two million. So I was just glad that they They valued me. me. They 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 did offer you one point two. But they came in higher for me because let's be honest. I'm I'm the good looks and the charm. You're just the charm. So, uh, what is charm exactly? Because I'm not sure that's an accurate statement. That's when you've had enough whiskey that you don't remember the night before. That's let's, charm. Let's be honest. They don't tune in to hear me. They no. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. You're a little more structured than I am. But I think that that's what's really interesting, right? Because you think about this last transfer window. We were frustrated as all get out because it felt like no moves were going to be made, and then literally at the eleventh hour, we've got four bodies coming in. So. I'm going to try to temper my expectations this transfer window because I feel like we have to give credit to Moyes at this point. He has shown us time and time again he's going to bring in the players that he knows are going to make an impact on the squad. And even if it's somebody like Vlasic that takes a little bit longer or Crawl that takes a little longer, even Ben Rama, who last season we saw flashes of the player that he is this season, we have to give patience. We have to give Moyes the time to bring in the players that he knows are going to make an an impact in that starting lineup or in the Europa League or in the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup. I hate that that's the name of that fucking cup. (laughs) The League Cup. Um, (laughs) EFL Cup. I like that name better. There has to be a, a modicum of patience that we have. And maybe it does take till the 11th hour before they bring in somebody like Tarkovsky or even if it's not him, if it's somebody else. We just have to know that whatever player Moyes brings in is a Moyes player and he's going to be a benefit to the locker room. And 
at the end of the day, man, I think it's going to be three bodies. I think it's a center back. I think it's a backup striker. And if it's not a backup striker, it's going to be only two. It's going to be Lingard. And it's going to be a center back because we need that center back for sure. But I think Lingard is that player that at the worst case, like if we don't have Mikel Antonio, you can throw Lingard up top or you could throw Bowen up top and you still have Lingard to play as that false nine. And then if you've still got Lanzini on the pitch and you've got Bowen and you've got Ben Rama, dude, nobody looks at that lineup and says, oh, we've got this. They look at that and go, fuck. And you didn't even mention Fornals. I didn't even mention Fornals. Holy shit. Dude, we, I, 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 it's funny. I went back and listened to our last episode, the last episode that we did as American Hammers Radio. Um, and I talked about an embarrassment of riches. We kind of still have that. Like, it sucks to have our defensive lineup be decimated by injuries, but we've got bodies coming back. And at the end of the day, the defense last season scored goals because we were very reliant on set pieces. But this season, it's been more about open play. We've seen those attacking threats from our forward lineup, and that's what we need. We need them to continue to fire on all cylinders. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot that we have to be thankful for for West Ham United. There really is. But the reality of the situation is, and this is, I heard this said by Sir Alex Ferguson, okay? Probably the greatest manager in Premier League history. Oh, pouring a little more here, eh? <laughs> I'm having a night. I'm having a night. My wife's going to be pissed, but I'm having a night. So when I kind of break it down and I look at it, this is, this is the thing Sir Alex said. You always have to try to get better every transfer window, no matter what. Now, even if it's redoing a contract of a player or bringing a guy up, selling a guy, bringing another guy in. You always have to look to get better in transfer window because that's what everybody else is going to do. So you have to keep up with the Jones. For sure. And so I firmly believe West Ham United will do exactly what you said. I think it'll only end up being two players. It'll be Lingard and the center back. But the reality is West Ham United are in a really good position right now. And let's be honest, they've been in the fourth place spot now. Was it four weeks? They've maintained that spot. Yeah. So look, I've always heard, once you get to about the 10th game, you kind of know where you're standing. Well, we're in fourth. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that makes me feel pretty good right now with what this team can accomplish. And so I think we just got to continue to keep meeting the expectation every week, do what we got to do. We cannot have um, a poor outing against Burnley. We have to go out and get the result that we know we deserve. We should win that game. So West Ham, go win that game. So obviously we know that game's on the weekend, but tomorrow we play because we are recording this on Wednesday. On Thursday, we do play Dynamo um, in our final game. And we're not going to spend too much time previewing this, Liam, because the reality is we expect to see a lot of young talent get out there. Um, So what are your realistic expectations of the game? What would you like to see? So I would love to see him play the kids. I think that that back line should pretty much exclusively be made from the academy players. And we've seen a ton of talent. Like They've been smashing clubs. They've beaten Liverpool. They beat Man City. They beat Chelsea. They beat Arsenal. Like They've, they've done what needed to be done at that U23 level. <clears throat> Pardon me. So I would love to see him play like Baptiste and Elise Say. I hope I'm saying his name right. I think there's a lot of talent there, and I think they need to be showcased. And given the opportunity, right? Like that was huge for Sonny Perkins to be able to feature in a Europa League match. Like That is so monumental for that type of player. And as we've talked about before, it doesn't matter. We could lose a hundred goals to, to nil and it doesn't affect our placement in the Europa league. So you can play David Martin. You can rest Areola if you want, right? 
play David Martin. You can play a, a youthful backline, and you still have players like Vlasic and Kral and Noble and Yarmolenko that you can throw at that top line, and they can still get goals. They can still score goals. But give people like Chambers, Sonny Perkins, um, Okoflex, which I don't think he can play because I don't think he was registered for um, Europa League. I think we only have access to a certain number of players. But regardless, like you have the talent. You can still bring Fornals or bring Ben Rama or bring Bowen if you want to have some sort of attacking presence to come in off the bench, give them a couple minutes. But you don't need to play Dawson. You don't need to play Diop. Play the kids. Rest the guys that you know you need for next weekend against Burnley. But I'm interested to think, think, see what you say. I don't want a single starting 11. I don't want anybody <laughs> on the bench. I want a straight-up uh, young team. Uh, I agree, David Martin in goal. I don't want to recognize a single name on the pitch. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because the league, to me, is always more important. This game, it does not matter what the result is. It does not affect West Ham United in any way. So play every young kid you've got. Give them that experience. See what you have. You know, it's going to help you in the transfer market being like, well, we know that kid can't do it, but that kid can. So I think you don't even, you know, even think about putting anybody that you might need against Burnley on the pitch or even on the bench. Like Noble, I want him standing next to Moyes talking tactics. (laughs) Yarmolenko, I want him on his left foot up on the thing. Like, I don't want any of those guys on the bench. Now, we know that we don't have enough players to do that, so we know what's going to happen. We're going to have some of those guys out there, but ideally I don't want a single player out there because it's just like I'm a massive NFL fan. It's just like if you know you can't improve your playoff spot and you can't make it worse, then you don't play any of your starters. You don't get anybody hurt. And that's where I'm standing on this. I just don't see any value in putting anybody – that can be beneficial to our premier league season, which to me will always be number one, no offense to any other thing. Sure. Um, That needs to stay intact. And we know that we're injured and beat up right now. So that has to be priority. So that's what I would like to see. I would like to see him hold guys out, not even dress them. Um, We all know that a few of those guys are going to make the bench and that's just because they need the depth, but I hope that they don't get on. I hope he lets whoever he puts on the pitch play all 90 minutes and get that experience um, against that club. And I hope that the fans show up and they're there and they're loud and they give them an experience because let's be honest, I, I can only imagine what it's like walking on the pitch, wearing the Claret and blue and playing for West Ham United would be like a dream come true. So I hope for those kids that they get their magic moment, you know, and I hope that they prove something on the pitch and we get to hear, you know, find out who they are, if you will. But that that's kind of the way I look at the dynamo game. Um, I, I just don't see a lot of value in playing anybody of note. So with that said, let's go to the game that matters, okay? (laughs) Um, On Saturday, we are playing Burnley. Turf Moor has been an interesting venue for us. Sometimes we go there and we're dominance. Like in Slavin Bilic's last full season, we went there and we played very well and we got a nice 2-0 victory. Declan Rice made his debut that day. Other times we've gone there, we've gotten beat and Chris Wood scored two goals. Um, so I'm not really sure what's going to happen. It's been a very interesting house that we've seen, but the way that I kind of think about it, this is a game, um, a team fighting relegation, um, is always dangerous. They're always trying, but I think like any team that's fighting relegation, when we used to, you get them on, get on them early. And then that mindset starts to set in for them. Oh, we can't do this. Um, so I'm very curious, um, in this match and, you know, before we do our score prediction, 
what are your thoughts on the match um, going into this, going into turf more for West Ham United? So, I mean, based on our away record so far, I mean, really all the way back to April, we've seen what sort of success we've had in away matches, but keep in consideration too, majority of those were when we were still in lockdown. So there weren't fans in the stadium. So an away match really didn't have that same, that same energy, right? Like where there's kind of this negative energy that comes against you because you're playing in an away stadium. But with these players, they've seen that we've seen that they've been able to overcome that even after lockdown, even having, you know, fans in the stadium, supporters in the stadium, we've seen that where that's still, they've drawn from the energy of even the 3000 players traveling or sorry, traveling fans that have come in and taken their place in that stadium. We've seen it in the Europa league. We know that these players can feed off even the most minuscule of energy. So I would imagine that we could go, I mean, to Burnley, they're just barely out of relegation at this point, right? Like they're 17th place. So I know they're going to continue to battle because they're going to want to get themselves out of that relegation zone. But let's be honest, man, like, this is West Ham United. Like these players have been above and beyond anything that we've expected so far this season. So I fully expect them to go into this match ready to battle coming off of the, the excitement and the energy after coming, you know, uh, come from behind twice victory over Chelsea. I would love to see them be able to maybe not decimate Burnley, but have a comfortable win. I expect this to be like a two nil or like a three, one type of, uh, type of victory especially if Moyes does what we were just talking about and plays a lot of the academy kids or the fringe players on the, the, the Thursday match. But it's Turf Moor, right? We never really know what could happen. And, you know, they always say like a, a dog backed in the corner is always the most dangerous, right? Because you never know how they're going to lash out. So Burnley might come out of this one guns blazing. And if we go down 1-0 early, we're going to be battling like we did with Brighton just to try to come back I mean, with Brighton, we went up one nil, but you and I were sitting on eggshells knowing there was that potential for Bur- or for Brighton to be able to score that equalizer. I would be very afraid that Burnley might be able to play the same way. They may look, pardon me, at what Brighton did and say, okay, well, we need to high press. We need to put two people on, sometimes three people on, especially their, their more dangerous players like their Bowens, their Ben Ramas, their Fornals, their Antonios, and frustrate them early get the turnover, try to beat them on the break. I mean, Brighton did that and it's proved effective, right? It allowed them to be able to walk out of there with a point. I would hope that Burnley isn't able to do that because we need those three points. I mean, Spurs have a game in hand, potentially two games in hand coming up. So we need every point that we can get. And just one point is not going to cut it to be able to keep us in that top echelon. If we can beat Liverpool and we can beat Chelsea we could beat Manchester United in the cup and we could beat Man, uh, Man City in the cup. We need to be able to turn Burnley and do it without exhausting ourselves to do so. I, I a hundred percent agree with you. Who's your uh, starting 11 for this match. So with this one, I actually went with what I was talking about earlier with that back three. So I do think it would be beneficial for us to have the ability to sit deep if we need to be able to defend. So I think if you, if Cresswell's healthy, obviously you have Fabianski in goal. You've got Dawson Dieppe and Cresswell you got Sufal and Fornals as wingbacks with Suchek and Rice in the middle. And then Bowen, Antonio, and Lanzini up top. But I actually see that more as a Lanzini in the center. And then Bowen and Antonio both playing as attackers. As opposed to um, kind of more of that front three. I actually see it more as Antonio sitting up top. Bowen playing a little bit off to the right. 
Lanzini able to drift left when need be, but I would actually love to see Lanzini stay central, drop deep when he needs to to be able to get the ball, and then have Fornells drive up on that left-hand side, and then Sufal be able to overwhelm and overlap on the right when need be. What about for you? I don't think you change a winning team. Um, obviously, injuries are going to force that in this game. Um, I, as, as shocking as it is, I agree with you. I think if Cresswell's <laughs> healthy, he does play. Um, but that's the only thing I really see because the way that I look at it, you don't change a winning team. I think he does go back three. I think he goes back three, not just because we won, but also because of necessity right now. I think he's going to have to make sure he's tight defensively, and you can do that with a back three, especially when they condense, you get five across. So I'm really looking at it. I think it's going to be the same exact team and tactics we saw with the addition of Cresswell just due to the injury situation. So um, if Cresswell's unavailable, I think it might be Masuaku back there, and that worries me. But I will tell you this. Masuaku getting that goal fills you with confidence. And when you play with confidence, you tend to play a little bit better. When you're playing to not make the mistake, you tend to make the mistake. So – Hopefully that's the situation. So now I'm going to hold you to it. I know you gave out a couple score predictions, right. but what's your score prediction for this game and who are your goal scorers? I'm going to hope we get the clean sheet because I think that would do wonders for Dawson and Diop's um, confidence. So I would love to see a two nil. Uh, I think Bowen gets on the score sheet again, because I think after that, that goal against Chelsea ooh, was so sweet. Uh, the other one I think actually comes off a set piece and I love Dawson and I want to see him just murder the ball in the back of the net if not Dawson let's give it to Suchek man like he needs another goal he's only got two for the season give him give him that third I think that'll continue to build on the confidence that he had in the Chelsea game and then also the Brighton match because obviously his was the lone goal uh for us so I'd love to see a two nil let's say let's say Dawson and Bowen Sorry, Mikal, I know that you've had a little bit of a goal drought, but maybe you earn yourself and you give us that 3-0, which would be ooh, so sweet for that goal differential. Um, man of the match for me, it's got to be Bowen, right? Because he did wonders on uh, on the Chelsea match. I would love to see him be able to duplicate that same performance against Burnley. How about for you, man? Uh, I think this game finishes 2-0. I think Mikel Antonio does get off the schneid, and I think he's going to get a goal from open play. It'll be a little easy tap-in because there'll be some good <laughs> passing going on inside the box, and he'll just have to slot it home. And the second goal I think is going to come off Manuel Lanzini's foot Ooh. because I think Lanzini's going to get three goals in four games, and I think he's just on form right now. And I do believe this next one will come from a penalty. I think Lanzini will get a pen, All right. and I think he'll step up and slot it yet again. And the reason I think it's a pen is because because Burnley have been very aggressive in the box and we are really good at getting contact in the box. So I could totally see that a 2-0 win. Um, I do think we go up early and then we get the the finalizing goal in the second half to put the game to bed and make it 2-0. Um, that's what I see. My man of the match in this game is going to be Mikel Antonio. I think that um, his work rate has been phenomenal. I think he's going to get good rest and I think he's going to come out in this game. He's going to reass. He's going to reaffirm to everybody why he is one of the most feared strikers in all of the Premier League. He may not have the goals to match what I just said, but he definitely strikes fear into any back line. So that's what I think we're going to see. So now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It is time for our yellow card and red card. So Liam, hit me with your yellow card first. Okay, so for me, and this was this was difficult because we've been kind of out of practice for a little while, but I actually gave it to Spurs. 
and I've sort of alluded this uh, earlier in the show. So they've been decimated by COVID. They've got initially it was something like six different players uh, were potentially returning positive results. Now it's increased to like 12 and it is spread through like the coaching staff and it is spread through everybody. So they've been a little bit decimated, but they're putting in the request to postpone their Brighton match. They already have a game in hand against everybody else. And now they're asking for another game in hand on top of that. Man up. Stop being the pussies that we all know that you fucking are. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you're, you're Spurs. We all expect you assholes to get COVID and give it to each other because you're all having wank fests in the dressing room. Like, I don't know what the hell it is. Like, if you guys are playing ski school and just jetting all over each other, and that's why Harry Kane can't find the back of the net, I don't give a shit what the reason is. But you're all a bunch of jokers. Like, if you've got a keeper and you've got 13 other players, you can play the match. Pull up your academy players. If your academy sucks, too bad on you. That's that's your club's fault if you don't have people in the pipeline that can step up and make it happen. So guess what? Fuck you. Here's your yellow card. It's your warning. Either get your ass together or bounce your asses down to the Champions League. You're already in the Europa Conference, which is a joke of an international competition. You might as well retire. You're done. I love it when we get to listen to Liam. <laughs> yeah. Um, the reality is you are hundred percent correct. All you need is 13 players and a goalkeeper, which they will have. They're going to have to play this game. I'd be absolutely shocked if the premier league grants it. I could see the premier league granted it just cause it's COVID. I absolutely could. I just don't think they will. Um, the other side of that for me on the yellow card, it goes to the Premier League fan zone for standing you up. This is making true. Making you get up in the morning prepared for an interview overseas in London on Premier League fan zone TV and they tell you they pushed you. You know what the worst part was is I was supposed to be part of segment one and they were like, our mistake, you'll be part of segment two. We'll call you back. Yeah. So I was like double dumped by the, the the PL fan zone. To be fair, I get it. Maybe you've got a bunch of other people. You've got that Everton kid that loves to talk forever. Like I totally get it, but you know, it was a little bit of a, it was a little bit upsetting. I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I gave him a yellow card <laughs> for that bullshit. I thought that was stupid. So hit me with your red injuries. My red card has to go to injuries. We know this happens every season and yet we do not prepare for it. And the worst part is it's always the hamstring. ACL, MCL, hamstring. Those are always the injuries that we see. And I don't know if you remember, but when we were bringing in Kurt Zuma, the big holdup was the fitness test. And everybody was like, oh, like, is he fit? Is he still nursing an injury? Like, what could it be? And lo and behold, he sustains an injury against his former club of all of all clubs. So uh, my red card absolutely has to go to injuries because here we are again every season. We always see it. And I know it happens every over the club, but I feel like it hits us in spades. It's like, you know, they, they say things come in threes. With us, it comes in like sixes. It's just not fair. <laughs> How about for you, man? Uh, red card's pretty simple. It goes to me because... <laughs> We have been so bad. We haven't done a show since September. It was so bad we had to change our name to the Bearded Bastards. Okay? Like the Bearded Bastards on American Hammers Network. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous, and I do apologize. I'm going to go ahead and tell you all for all of our nine loyal fans out there. Um, a lot of drama goes down. Had family stuff happen. Obviously, my relationship fell apart. You were moving. 
there was a lot of things that happened in a very short amount of time and we just weren't able to link up and make this happen. And a couple of times we had it slotted and things would happen on the day and we weren't. So we're going to try to do a better job. We're really, I'm, I'm really proud of our new name, the bearded bastards. Thank you for coming up with that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so uh, hopefully we make this a better uh, moment. We're going to add a little uh, whiskey to it. As you can tell, Liam gets a little more exciting as the Ooh, whiskey starts. To flow. Yeah. I, I start to slur my words a little bit. So it's exciting. <laughs> What'd you say? Slur my words. I said to sound like uh, Daffy Duck. It's pretty exciting. Oh, man. But as always, we always appreciate uh, everybody that tunes in. And obviously, we're going to try to do a better job of sticking around a little bit better. And as always, if you want to get involved in the show, you can hit us on Twitter at at H-A-R-W-H-U. That's what it is right now. I may update it when we when we uh, rebrand, now that we've rebranded as the Bearded Bastard. So I may update it. But for the meantime, look for H-A-H-R-W-H-U. And also, if you want to hit us, you can also contact us at, at Fresno Irons on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, my name is Tex. Um, always appreciate you guys letting us do this. Um, and as always, we want you to know, stay safe, drink whiskey, stay inside, love your wife. That's what we're, that's what we're pushing here. Um, but uh, thank you so much for the time. Liam, your, your new house is gorgeous, by the oh, way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now, we have a brand new Bearded Bastard studio. Oh, um, so nice. We're trying to get sponsored by some Beard Butter, if anybody knows anything out there. We, we would love to get a little Beard Butter sponsor because, let's be honest, my beard doesn't look as good as Liam's, and I need some butter to match his quality. You know, I was going to comment. I was actually mentioning to my wife that you had trimmed back your beard, and it is dashing, I will say. Like, it is... I am I am surprised your relationship ended, but I'm excited for the plethora of women that will throw their vaginas at you in the next coming weeks. Well, I've had a few vaginas thrown at me. <laughs> Unfortunately, they had dicks attached to them. So I obviously, happens. obviously, I'm definitely a hit in that community. <laughs> so it's just unfortunate that I don't swing that way. But you know, it is what it is. No, no harm, no foul. Like I get it. You can still buy me a drink. I'm just not going to go home with you. Hey, man, love is only a light switch away. <laughs> <laughs> that may uh that right there that's a t-shirt that's like a t-shirt bearded bastards radio love, love is only a light switch away. away nice um for liam this is tex and as always we thank you for listening thank you to tim and lee for providing us this opportunity here on american hammers network um make sure you tune in if you happen to find yourself in fresno california and you go well holy shit it's 6 a.m on sunday and you need to come watch the burnley match Come on down to Full Circle Brewing Company, home of the Fresno Irons, where we would love to buy you your first pint. And maybe maybe love is just a light switch away for you, too. Yeah. <laughs> for Liam, this is Tex. And as always, come, come on, on, you irons. irons.